Hey everybody, and welcome to season three of Wish Upon a Star. This is Oh my god. <laughs> what, what was that sound? That was an elephant. Oh wow. Well, <laughs> I'm I don't know what I am anymore. I think I was thrown to the lawyer, but I don't know. I'm Amanda, the person who sometimes disguises herself as an elephant. <laughs> Okay, our uh, our listeners this is great are, audio. I, I apologize to our listeners. Um, for those of you who are still have your hearing, um, this is going to be episode fourteen, the fourteenth song we are covering in Wish Upon a Star, and it is the first song of Dumbo, the Flying Elephant Yay. movie. Yeah. Yay. Um, Amanda. Uh, so obviously you you're passionate about elephants. Um, obviously, given I too am very tall and have and I never forget anything. Oh wow, Cynthia! Uh, <laughs> you know what you did. Um, what are your thoughts on Dumbo itself? Did uh, you you are a, you're a Disney person, so uh, I am. Yeah, are you I mean, are you a Dumbo fan? Uh, 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 I, mean, I have like no childhood memories of this movie. Really, mm-hmm. like I know it existed, and I'm sure I saw it when I was a kid. Because I remember being, like, really sad about it, although not as sad as I should have been. My God, we'll get to some of these later. But, like, I don't know. I feel like most of my memories of Dumbo are from Dumbo the Flying Elephant ride at Disney World. Yeah. And that's, like, super iconic. Like, you go up in the air and then you come back down. Oh, yeah. 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 That's my memory of Dumbo as well. Like, it's... Dumbo, to me, is a ride more than it is a... uh, Yeah, it's not, like, a movie that you, like, watch. Yes. Um, like, e- even in other amusement parks where there is no, um, you know, Disney... Uh, yeah, you still you still ride the Dumbo ride, whatever right, know, sort of right. animal iteration that might be. Even, the, like, they have Aladdin's flying carpets in, Ma- in Magic Kingdom. Yeah, that's still it's Dumbo. It's still ride, Dumbo, which yeah. is Dumbo, but, like, racially problematic in a different way, probably. <laughs> yeah. Um, so the, the genre of ride is the Dumbo ride, so you, if you're at, you know... Wherever it is, Six Flags, you want to... Wait, did you say the Jaws ride is is the Dumbo ride? The genre of ride is the Dumbo oh, ride. I heard the Jaws ride, like the one in Universal where, like, your boat got attacked no. by a shark. Well, they're all, like, gray animals. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> they're all the same. Dumbo eats people, right? That's, that's, that happens in this movie. Yeah. It's my favorite part. His mom almost eats people. His and... mom does go a little bit Jaws on the yeah. whole situation. She gets thrown into the clink oh. as uh, Timothy... Mouse no, we, calls we, it but many, we can't we games. can't talk about that yet. I can't be that sad yet. This first song is no. sad enough. I don't need to be sad about Baby Mine too. Yeah, it's a weird song to start us off with. The first song uh, we have not. I don't think we've mentioned it yet, but it's "Look Out for Mr. Stork." So I know you guys all at home. Well, you've seen the name of the episode, so you yeah. know what song we're going to talk about. But <laughs> Ooh, surprises! It's not exactly a song that I I knew. In fact, all of the Dumbo songs. Um, not entirely memorable, I must say. Um, when we started this experiment, most of these songs were not, I, I didn't really know what was going to be waiting for us. Speaking, though, of things we don't know that are going to be waiting for us, yeah. should we bring on our surprise guest? Oh, yeah, I, I don't know. What's waiting for us? I don't know. I, I'm sorry to interrupt you, but that was too good of a lead for me to just abandon. Yeah, actually, the way we do it on Wish Upon a Star is we have all of our guests lined up. Uh, they're all behind... Uh, uh, a rotating curtain, and we do give it. What a... was that? Oh, Chad Roulette. It's like Chad yes. Roulette. You remember Chad Roulette? <laughs> yes. Uh, unfortunately, I do. Um, <laughs> some things cannot be unseen, but uh, <laughs> so we spin them. Uh, we physically spin them. They're on a little carousel, and then whichever one yeah. uh, is, is stops on, that's our guest for, for the episode. They're on a Dumbo ride, basically, but we have control over the spinning. Yeah, like for instance, Jake from New York. Uh, we fly him in from New York for every episode, and uh, it's if he, very expensive. If he doesn't get picked, I'm sorry. It's you know we do not uh, pay for his flight back. We only pay no. if you end up on the show. Yes, so it's uh, kind of like being on The Bachelor. <laughs> is that how it works? I, I don't know. Oh, how the that contestants works. don't get paid anything. Like the the Bachelor Bachelorette can walk away with like a, a hundred thousand grand or something mm. like that, but like those contestants are just out like five six thousand dollars on outfits and eight weeks of vacation. Mm, but they, it's it's all about the journey. Um, that's true. That, that's why you have to be there for the right reasons. Because uh, uh, if, if you showed up for money, that, that wasn't the right reason, because you're not going to pay. <laughs> so, Should we introduce our guest, do you think? Yeah, yeah. So, guest, who are you? Who has the magic wheel selected? Whoa, coming off my spinny wheel. 
It's me, Tori Bat. Back oh no, Tori Bat. Ah, Tori. I hope you're not too dizzy. Don't throw up on our podcast. I just might, friends. I uh, just might. No. That's disappointing as always. Well, uh, Tori Bat, uh, if you're going to vomit, why don't you vomit some sweet, sweet uh, words of, of Dumbo <laughs> uh, recollection upon us? What You heard what Amanda and I have to say, but what are your Dumbo initial thoughts? Don't steal ours. We got there first. I have to tell you guys, I have no recollection of the plot, <laughs> but I certainly watched this many times as a, as a wee bat, as it were. And I mean, um, you were alive when it came out, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, no, that's that's true about yeah. me. It came uh, out in, in ni- we haven't said this yet. It, did, it came out in 1941. This is, uh, I believe, the same year that Fantasia came out. So. Dumbo and I were delivered by the same uh, stork, actually. Yeah, oh. yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, that's why he was late. I was going to say that as a kid, um, I did watch this movie many times, mm-hmm. and um, I do have a recollection of it, which is just that there was, like, a drunken scene, mm-hmm. which, like, I was aware of as a young person and, like, was was made to think to be quite naughty. Um, See, I definitely, in my mind, conflated that with the Heffalumps and Woozles from Winnie the Pooh. Mm-hmm. I think those scenes are kind of similar, like, when the, when the Heffalumps and Woozles go marching about. Yeah, um... Unfortunately, Winnie the Pooh is not getting uh, drunk or high, but that that <laughs> he's just having those uh, weird dreams independently because he's a he's a strange uh, strange bear. Well, he's eating so much sugar before he goes to bed. Like honey, yeah, you can't just eat honey all day and expect your dreams to be normal. Yeah, that's you, that's you cannot bad. you cannot drink honey. That is that's a terrible <laughs> idea. Um, yeah. I was gonna say that I. You know, I have very like negative associations with. Oh no! Like like my memories of Dumbo are somewhat sullied and that I thought of it as like having this just really dark side. And I, I, uh, I'm just a, a light <laughs> little, did you person. know that the drunks, that the dark side was in fact racism? Uh, <laughs> yes. No, I, as a young person was far less troubled by racism <laughs> than I was by, uh, inebriation. Um, oh, that's man, the opposite of now. <laughs> boy, boy, did I make changes in my life. Wait, as an what, what a switcheroo you've come along on. <laughs> Audience, I don't like racism, uh, but I, I've i been known to get drunk with an elephant or two. <laughs> Who hasn't, really? I think for a lot of people, that scene that you are referring to, the, um, I was about to call it Heffalump of Woozles again, the Pink Elephants <laughs> on Parade scene is one of the most memorable songs in the movie, but beyond that, it, it's a struggle to recall some of these songs, and I think that that was um, what I was saying before Tori came on, that mm-hmm. uh, you know, going into this, I didn't remember these songs. I knew that there was a song that Dumbo's mom sings to him. I knew there was a train song, but like I didn't know their tune. Oh yeah, I couldn't have hummed you a single song no. from this movie. I, I, I still except look- for like when you see an elephant fly. And I think it just it's been like parades. Yeah, wow. that wasn't just humming. That yeah. was beautiful, beautiful lyricism. That's why I bring you on tour. You compliment me like no no other guest we have. <laughs> I, I don't even know if I could hum the song we're doing today. Um, oh yeah, I listened to it like. 10 minutes ago, most recently, and I... Stork, 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 there's a narrator speaking. So there's a, a sort of ominous narrator who's saying things. He says, uh, through the snow and sleet and hail. And then he says, like, through the thunder and lightning, nothing stops him. Is that just the post office, like, chance? <laughs> That's what I, it's very close to that. But it, it, so it's not clear what he's referring to. And then uh, he says, nothing stops him. He'll get through. And then there's an airplane sound effect. So it's like, you don't know what you're watching. Like, is this like some sort of World War II <laughs> movie? Because we are in the midst of World War II. It is 1941. And then it's like, it's a bait and, it was all a bait and switch. Because then we just see some storks. And there's like a jolly barbershop quartet singing. So none of the awesome epic buildup paid off. It was just a bunch of niceties. Oh, you're going to get attacked by those niceties if you keep insulting them that way, Frodo. Yeah. Well, so that's where we're That's how we get to the song. There wasn't much ahead of it. Uh, we have a bunch of storks on the screen. It's night out. They're in the sky. and But it's and better than that because you know where they're going? Where? Florida! 
They're going to Florida. They're going to Florida. The person's jolly old home. This is the first Disney movie set in my hometown. And actually, like, not too far from, like, like if you kind of look geographically, it kind of hits, like, a weird middle ground between Orlando and Miami area. And those are the two areas I grew up in. So, like, I strongly relate to this whole situation. Wow, I didn't know that you were um, sort of not the same life form as me, Amanda. I I took you as, like, uh, an East Coast elitist like myself, um, you know, better than... No, I'm people. gator trash. Wow. Yeah. You are trashy. This is news yeah. to me. Yeah, yeah. Huh. I, I I know that my extraordinary paleness... I you so often. <laughs> No, you know, when they talk about, like, Florida man, like, nine and nine, 90% of the time, that's me. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, would, would you like to hear, like, a quick sidebar, the most Florida thing I ever did as a kid? Yeah, sure. Go, go ahead. Yes. Yeah, just to sort of set the scene, because, you know, this is setting the scene for Dumbo. This mm-hmm. whole movie takes place in this area. So when I was in elementary school, we got to go to Gatorland. <laughs> Have either of y'all been to Gatorland? Shockingly, no. I heard that there's a lot of gators there. There's a bunch of gators, and you walk in, and the entrance is a giant gator head. Mm-hmm. Like, like a real one? Probably like, not, because it's like 20 feet tall. But you like walk in through the teeth of the gator, yeah. and then there's like a bunch of gators, and That's there's one gator wrestling show, and I got <laughs> picked to pick the, re- the gator that the guy was going to wrestle. So did this you pick a school a- field trip? Like, this yeah. In- intended to be educational? Yeah, I was like six. So did you pick the biggest one or the smallest? This tells a lot about your personality. Well, here's the thing. I picked the worst gator. On purpose? No, I picked a gator that would not wrestle. Oh. Oh, no. And my mom made me go down and ask the guy if he wanted me to pick another gator. (laughs) (laughs) And he said no. No. Because he would not be, you know, showing up by this six-year-old, like, Mm -hmm. kid who thought she could pick a better gator than he could wrestle. (laughs) Uh, so the wrestler, then he won. He he pinned the gator. He did pin the gator. I think they held a gator that day, too. Yeah. And not just, like, the normal ones where you're, like, pulling them out of your pool. Like, a captive gator. So it was more exciting. I'm sorry. Uh, for those of us not from Florida, there is no such thing as one of the normal gators <laughs> in your pool. That is a freakish, terrible thing to have happen. No, you're like, man, make sure the dogs come inside pretty quickly or you can see them all the time. So otherwise they might get eaten by a gator. Yeah, I wouldn't call that normal. I would call that the worst day of my entire life. <laughs> like, oh, man, I crashed into a fence. I, like my, when I was learning to ride a bike, there was a fence that like went around this reservoir in my neighborhood. And I like crashed my bike into the side of the fence and my flower from my basket fell through the fence. And my parents were like, let me, let me go get it because of the gators. None of those experiences are at all relatable to me. I never, I never... <laughs> I didn't have reservoirs. I didn't have flowers, <laughs> baskets on my bicycles. This is just like, no, the, you are a foreign person. Um, but sometimes but, we had to go put covers on our on our flowers because it would get cold, and then my dad fell in the pool once. Strange woman <laughs> from the Wang of America. Well, it's it's it, it's interesting then that not only is this the first Disney movie in Florida, but this is the first Disney feature movie that has. An American setting, and they choose Florida. So <laughs> it just went went hard and strong. Yeah, for the beginning. Maybe this is a, a precursor of Disney's fascination with uh, Florida for Disney World. One might say the best state. Who would say that? Um, I am looking at my copy of the Dave Barry book, Best State Ever, right now, which is about Florida. It's a great book. Everyone should check it out. It's hilarious. Highly recommend. This episode is not sponsored by Dave Barry. <laughs> But we are open to sponsorships, Mr. Barry, if you would like to, you know, drop us a line, wishapod at gmail.com. Oh, yeah, that's our our email. I forgot about that. Um, Yeah. I haven't checked in a few weeks, so if people have been emailing me, whoops, uh, my bad. No, you just, you haven't been able to store. been emailing you a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he he wanted to guest on this episode, and we got Tori. Come on. (laughs) Maybe he was in the carousel, and we just, we just missed him. (laughs) Dave, I'm sorry if you're if you're still in that other room. Uh, uh, we'll have you on for Peter Pan so you can talk about um, Peter and the Starcatcher. It'll be perfect. Now you guys do know how to like this is important to me. You guys know how to run away from a from a gator, right? Like this is important knowledge. So is that the thing that you're supposed to weave back and forth, or is that bears? Yes. Yeah. No, you want to zigzag for a gator. I don't think you. I don't think you might also weave for a bear, but I'm. With Never a bear, seen a wild bear. With a bear, you with just a bear, die. you just uh, you just get eaten. Yeah, yeah. you're just dead. Yeah, gators, you got a zigzag, and then if worse comes to worse, you pull a shark and you punch it in the nose. Yeah, just take that gator down, wrestle it. 
Um, well, speaking of Gatorland and animals in captivity, that's what we yeah. have in this song. Uh, so for you Floridians, you really like your, your captive animals. Um, so, so this is, the, as the storks uh, go down from the sky, we see kind of a map. That's where we see that this is Florida, and there's... In, it says Florida, too, which is actually accurate to the geography of Florida. <laughs> <laughs> um, and it, it also says circus, so we, we're introduced that, hey, these storks are all going to the circus. Um, the winter, winter like, residents of the right, circus. Right. So this is not only the first American movie, and not only the first one in Florida, but we have our introduction to the circus. For for many children, Dumbo is probably their introduction to to circus life. Yeah, um, now it's the greatest showman, but for them... <laughs> yeah, ex- exactly. I have an inquiry in that we have multiple times now referenced this is the first Disney film to take place in Florida. Mm-hmm. Are there yeah. others that specifically take place in Florida? <laughs> huh. Um, That's a good question. Uh, I haven't seen... The princess and the frog is that one that's in Louisiana? No, okay. that's New Orleans. Yeah. What else do we got? Close. Other ones that are in America, off the top of my head, Oliver and Company, Pocahontas. That's New York. That's clearly New York. Pocahontas is clearly Jamestown. What? What else? Uh, maybe in uh, Atlantis, the Lost Empire, they like take off from Florida. I have no idea. Okay, I have. I'm looking it up now. <laughs> And according to just a very basic Google search, where I just Googled the words Disney movies set in Florida, and these are the results that came up. The Florida Project, which was that um, like movie that movie. was not made in yeah. Disney. Um, Tomorrowland, which flopped mm. terribly in 2015. Flight of the Navigator, which I've never heard of. Um, and Dawn's Fountain of Youth, which is a Donald Duck short about the Fountain of Youth. Interesting. <laughs> So I guess there's not a lot of Florida Disney, but it is the location of Disney World, obviously. So there is a Disney presence there. Yes. You know, that should be incorporated into Disney World. They should give you, like, a tour of, like, the sites where Dumbo was filmed. Just like how in, you can go to England <laughs> and see the, where Harry Potter was filmed. Like, they should yeah. take you to the fairgrounds of Dumbo and be like, this empty field is where Dumbo Excellent. first flew. Guys, I mean, it's, it's weird, too, because there actually was a huge film industry in Florida, but it was all, like, in much much more South Florida, because the tax rates were phenomenal. Oh. So, like, all of the, like, this is this is an actual fact I know, because the the place I took fluid lessons was in an old movie studio, and they still did some filming there. Um, but, like, all the flip, all of the flipper stuff was filmed down there. Um, Lassie was filmed down there. Anything where, like, an animal saved things, probably filmed in Florida. You know too much about Florida. <laughs> when? I'm very proud of my home. When are we going to be famous enough, guys, that we get, like, flown down to Disney for, like, a free trip, do you think? Mm, the thing is, if we get that famous, they're going to be like, so you're an unauthorized podcast, huh? Yeah. And we're going to be like, yep. <laughs> <laughs> so we want to fly just under that radar. We want to get yeah. as much fame as possible without Disney knowing we exist. That's the dream. Maybe when they when they try to, like, deport us for, you know, being illegal Disney stealers, we could be like, can, can we at least fly out of, like, Miami, like just let us right. go to Florida. Like deport us via Florida. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. No, the, the the goal is to be famous enough that people who go to Disney know who we are. So mm-hmm. if we were like t-shirts with our faces on it, they'll be like, "I haven't ever seen your face because this is a podcast." But I bet that's you. No, that's that's precisely what I want. I want someone to have my face on a shirt. That's yeah. That's why I'm. Well, here. I I can do that, Tori. <laughs> So we've talked enough about Florida for our entire lives. That is never true, but I will move on. So let's take a step. <laughs> let's take a step back and talk about how this is obviously a song about storks. Yes. It's called "Look Out for Mr. Stork." Ooh, the- can I say one more Florida thing? No, no. One, lo- one last thing. It's a good one. I promise. Say it, but I'm going to cut it. No such thing. <laughs> no, this song is actually pretty equivalent to the amount of sex education I got in Florida. Okay, hey! that is a good transition to the storks. So the, <laughs> yeah, so- the you're song welcome. starts off, and we see a bunch of storks. They're flying. They're somewhat realistic looking, but they all are carrying, uh, you know, satchels or little, uh, presumably baby things. And they have hats. Yeah. Oh, they have hats. All right, they have hats. <laughs> and the and the lyrics begin. So let's let's kind of get into to the meat of what this song is all about. Um, look out for Mister Stork, that persevering chap. He'll come along and drop a bundle in your lap. So, it's about babies. Spoiler. Yep. 
baby. So this song is strongly against abstinence education because it's like, there's nothing you can do. Yeah. We're going to bring you babies. Yeah, it, it's it's a weird... It's weird. But before we get get into some of the ethics of it, uh, just kind of, <laughs> kind of generally, like, you know, the whole concept of storks and babies. Yeah. Um, what's the deal Is with this that? Is this where we're going? I, uh, I did some research on that. Mm-hmm. There was something about how, like, in, I want to say Germany, there mm-hmm. were these storks that had, like, a, a sort of seasonal pattern that they would, like, migrate away in March, or maybe they, sorry, they would migrate away in June and they'd return in March. Regardless, basically, there was a town in Germany where storks would be around, and then they Mm -hmm. would leave for, like, nine months because of the seasons, and they would return nine months later, and it sort of became a, like, a local folklore that, uh, you know, all these people were like, oh, I, you know, thought about having a baby, wink, wink, uh, mm. when the storks were here, and then the storks <laughs> left, and then when they returned, I, like, had a baby. Yeah. Um, so weird storks, when that happens. Storks already, storks already in some cultures had some associations with Fertility life and, and stuff. Yeah. yeah, and so um, this rumor got started, and people were really excited about a rumor that would um, give them the opportunity to not talk to their young children about sex when their young yeah. children act. Um, yeah, is, really is, is this the plot of Spring Awakening? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think that what I saw was similar to what, what Tori saw about generally how this, uh, it, it may have had some beginnings as some kind of folklore, but it's really been latched onto even more in our repressed modern societies where we're so worried about talking about sex, it gives a parents an easy out. Um, mm-hmm. I did also see that Hans Christian Andersen uh, potentially mm. popularized the f- older folklore in his own story called uh it's an interesting name it's called the storks and uh, <laughs> his story is- was screwed up guys it was a troubled story his story about the storks oh really i, I haven't read it or heard it How- what happens in hansi's feel like kitty? it involves like like uh like killing babies like it's not oh. so much about like a happy arrival of babies but rather about like their murder oh how fun. Good. Yeah. Good. No, I mean, not a hobby of mine, uh, but Hans <laughs> Christian Andersen was known to um, have some offbeat hobbies. Yeah. Like murdering babies? I, yeah, that's, that's the vibe I get about him. Well, let's, um, hope that, let's hope that no future Disney movies are ever based on Hans Christian Andersen stories, because those <laughs> would be terrible, very clearly. Um so we should anyway. talk about this song. Yeah, right. yeah. We like haven't even like we bar- yeah, we okay. haven't gotten to the song yet. Yeah, yeah. So, so should we? Yeah, we have an, an idea <laughs> of, of maybe the background of why storks and babies are related. So now the actual song we're seeing the delivery of all of these animal babies. Uh, it's not the gross sort of seeing the delivery like you saw no. in high school, like no, health not, class. Not not gross. Like a pleasant delivery. The storks are. Dive bombing Florida, as we've said. They're going to the circus, as we said. They're going. They're not the first ones. They're going into the animal cages, and they are dropping off the babies. Um, I mean, I think the animation and the sort of narrative of what is happening is kind of boring. I think what's more interesting to me is the lyrical content because it doesn't really match up exactly with what we're seeing. I think the animation is delightful, but I agree, it does not match up to what the lyrics are. Well, okay. Well, what do you think is is cool about the animation? Um, so they, so like this, Dumbo is a super low budget film, mm, um, yes. like for Disney. Um, and so they did a lot of things to like save money. So like they didn't use as many cells as they normally would for animation. And like, it's a lot less detailed and looks more cartoony. Um, but they also used watercolor backgrounds, mm, um, for yeah. a lot of it, which adds a really cool, like dreamlike effect. I think that you don't see in the other films that use, you know, more, um, modern sort of background techniques. Um, not that those aren't also beautiful, but I like the quality it adds and like, I don't know. I don't care a lot about, like, babies, but I love baby animals, and there's a lot of them in this song. And some of them I, have hats. I I thought it was really cute, actually. Like, I thought the, the animal babies were cute. I thought the, yeah. the, the animal parents were cute. Yeah, that was my predominant yeah. emotion. I liked, I, I liked when the giraffe came down, and the giraffe was wearing one, like, little flying bag for its body, and then another one for its neck, because its neck was so long that it needed <laughs> extra support. 
That, that is, that's a good detail. Yeah, I guess this, that's just my uh, my manly nature to not find babies cute. <laughs> yeah, everyone knows that men hate babies. Yes, so I found the, the animation and visuals boring, but uh, the rest of you guys I could, could appreciate boring. it. Okay. I, I did like the first shot where the storks are there with the night background sky and the, and the moon. I think that that probably is using some watercolor, and that looked pretty cool, I thought. Um, yeah. The light and dark contrast. But once we get to the animals, I was like, oh, I've had enough of this. Let's get me to the, the drunken clowns. Like, that's what I want to see. <laughs> that's what I paid my, you know, 99 cent yeah. download well, on cents. iTunes for. Oh, I thought we were doing, like, 1940s. We'd be like, like I paid my nickel to see them drunk clowns. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, 99 cents in the 1940s would be... A, a pretty big price to pay for an animated movie about a, an elephant that doesn't talk. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's really interesting how the lyrics just do not match. Uh, no, not at all. Match the song. I actually have some of the lyrics for for the song for Look Out for Mr. Stark. I have them right here. I'm going to read them. It goes, uh, 18 years, 18 years. She got one of your kids, got you for 18 years. I know somebody paying <laughs> child support for one of his kids. His baby mama car and crib is bigger than his. Oh, wait. Uh, sorry. sorry, guys. Those were the lyrics to Gold Digger by Kanye West. <laughs> wait. Now, I gotta say, it's a good thing that they covered that song on, like, one of the first three episodes of Glee. Otherwise, I would not. <laughs> I, I, was, I was off. Um, but surprisingly, uh, the lyrics of this song are actually very similar in theme to, the, to that verse, uh, which is why I did that, that contrived <laughs> bit. Um, that was a good bit. I'm proud of you. Uh, yeah, so basically this song is about how, like, Getting stuck with kids sucks. I, I am gonna... I don't know if I'm as sold as you are that it has negative connotations, the lyrics. So, like, in the sense of, like, look out for Mr. Stork, I guess you could read that like, oh, Mr. Stork's coming. But yeah. it's also just like, oh, be aware, you might suddenly have a baby. Like... Uh, I, I guess I I didn't I didn't I mean maybe it was just the imagery of the happy animal. Did you, are you ignoring the line where it says it's useless to resist? <laughs> I mean that seems like pretty... yeah, like that was a little bit like uncomfortable. <laughs> oh. I don't know, like it's useless to it's useless to like try not to have lots of things happen because things just happen. I, I guess I just I didn't read it as super negative as much as just like everybody gets pregnant. Everybody. Getting pregnant. Everybody in the club getting pregnant. Yeah. Um, well, I, I disagree. I think that this is, <laughs> is very much a song where it's like they're warning you. They're saying, hey, hey, gents, uh, don't be putting that in there or else you're going to get stuck with a baby because the stork will find that, you. Did you guys know in the 1940s that people use Lysol as birth control? Oh, God. Uh... <laughs> There's a lot of strange things that have been used as birth control over time. What if you use you can... as birth control, Tori? <laughs> yeah. Can I, can I, <laughs> I have to say um, something that is hmm. weird every time you go to the gynecologist as a non-heterosexual woman is that you are always asked uh, what you are using for birth control. Um, and if you're like, oh, I do not <gasps> use any birth control they uh like give you these they give you these really like intense looks and they're like oh are you just not having any sex and then you're like it's weird and you're like not with men and then everybody's uncomfortable and what i want to point out is that when you go to a doctor's office here's what i don't understand about the entire medical establishment when you go to a doctor's office you have to fill out so much paperwork that asks you all of these like rather intimate questions and i don't understand why at the gynecologist's office they can't glance at that paperwork instead of having that awkward <laughs> interaction all the time uh, here's another fun fact about tory bat's gynecological practice mm-hmm. not tory bat's gynecological practice i do not have a gynecological practice i i go to them um, and as an educator mm-hmm. um i i think this is probably pretty rare i have not once not twice, but thrice ended up at a gynecologist's office and I had taught that gynecologist's children. <gasps> oh, like oh someone... I thought you were saying you taught that gynecologist. <laughs> That'd be much worse. No. Well, she is no. really old. It's but I was true. like, <laughs> I was like, why do I, why do I recognize this person who like- A oh, parent-teacher is... conference. 
is in me with like a speculum of parent-teacher conferences, and that's always uncomfortable. If it makes you feel much, any better, much. like I don't know if I I've talked on the podcast before about like one of my many jobs, which is acting as a standardized patient. Have I talked about mm. this? No, but 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 please, that's, uh, that's a cool thing. Yeah, yeah. So basically, they train actors and other folks to portray patients in different sort of illnesses or diseases or thing or injuries to train medical students um, to make them better at like empathy. And you, I do you a really case are a where person I'm person of playing, many personhoods. I I sure am. I do a case where I have to do that, where they're like, so, like, what do you use it for birth control? And it's like, I'm not. And they're like, why not? It's like, well, I'm not really worried about getting pregnant. And they're like, oh, why not? And they need to be like, because of lesbian? This is amazing. So this you guys amazing. have both had the same experiences. Yeah, but mine, I got to, like, laugh about with a group of people who did the same thing afterwards, where, like, six of us get back together and they're like, why didn't you just, why couldn't you just say I was gay? Although maybe you much, do that too. Much, much like we've all had the experience, the everyday experience of an alligator in our pool. Um, <laughs> I am full of universal life experiences. Have you read the book, The Empathy Exams? I haven't read the whole thing, but I've read parts of it. Okay, very good. Yeah, um, it's very similar to what I do. Anyway, I yeah. do wish to return to the song and say there was no lyric that was like, hey, lesbians, look out for Mr. Stork. It didn't That's, come up in the song. Well, you they know why, focused, though? It's because... Or, sorry, go go ahead. Well, it's because no one was gay in 1941. Um, yeah. They focused on the rich, the poor, the billionaires, and the bakers, and, um, yeah. Yeah, none of the gays. They could be gay bakers. Um, they just... That's where the, the gays go to get their, uh, their wedding gay, Gakers. Okay, I will say, the word gay works a lot better with baker than it has with, with butcher, because, like, butcher is just bad. I'm a little butcher. <laughs> 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 so so are you upset then that they didn't say, you know, it doesn't matter no, if, no, you're, I, I'm not, if you're straight I, uh, or li- you like women? Here's here's what I'm going to put out there, team. Um, I I know that during my, my stints as a participant on this podcast when watching Snow White, I really established myself as a pretty staunch feminist contributor to this podcast. And I think many would expect that I would come on here and have really like elevated feminist sentiments to share. Um, but as has been explored through commentary thus made, I got really enthusiastic about uh, the cute baby animals. <laughs> mm-hmm. And um, I am like unwilling to accept that this song has negative undertones. <laughs> and really okay. what I want to put out there, I'm, I'm skipping ahead just a wee bit, but this <gasps> song ends with this like deeply pathetic image of this, this mama elephant, this desirous to be mm. mama elephant, just like staring mm-hmm. up in the sky being like, why not me? Like mm-hmm. everyone else. I feel like, uh, man, there is no image that better conveys what it's like to be a 30, a single 35 year old woman than that sad <laughs> elephant, like staring oh, no. up at the sky. I just really felt a kinship with her. Um, Aww. That we could, That's you know, nice, maybe ex- explore more deeply at a separate time and place. But yeah, I really, I was just like, yeah, man, I feel like I'm staring up into the sky too, Mama Elephant. Oh. What are any oh. of us doing here? Oh no! All I mean, the if, other, if... all the other animals in my circus, which is to say, 35 year old people, seem to be, <laughs> uh, seem to be seeing their storks right now, and I don't know mm. what I'm seeing. Mm. Anyway, if, if I may offer a feminist lens though to this song, I think you actually can look also. Side note, it's interesting that Planned Parenthood is founded in 1942, a year after this movie came out. <laughs> so, like, fact. maybe it inspired everyone. Yeah. Um, they're like, no, we don't actually want this. <laughs> yeah. Get, get the birth control. Get it Get it and make it free. Um, but, like, I think there's a lot, like, it's obviously not anti-feminist to, like, have or want children. No, not at all. And, like, no one's ever claiming that except for, you know, horrible men on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Um, no, and, for, like... Well, you finish your thought. You finish your thought. No, just like, I I think that it's like, it's cool that like, there's a lot of single mother animals going on here. And like, like you said, like you, I think that the idea of like wanting a baby and like not being able to have one for whatever reasons, like something that a lot of people can relate to, like whether it's through like lack of partner or infertility or, you know, just not the circumstances coming together the way that you wanted them to like that's a pretty universal image and i think that's cool that they weren't able to encapsulate it and just like this sad mama elephant in what was arguably a pretty simple movie i have something to say about the sad mama elephant too because i did i talked about how i thought the animation was kind of weak but i do think that is a powerful image (laughs) oh boy i cannot entirely relate because i of course uh, do not yearn for for babies like you you women do (laughs) but i uh I liked how it was uh, sort of choreographed. I like how she swaying side to side. 
as the music slows down. The the melody is basically just da 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 da. But at the end, when she's feeling sad, it slows down. It's sort of a weeping da 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 da. Um, so well, not- that's what's so nice about it is that yeah. like even like I'm not actually yearning for babies right now. Like I'm nowhere near the time of my life, but like we all yearn for something, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, do we ever? We are are we not all that mama elephant? And then it just turns all the way say, down. I I will say something <laughs> feminist though, which is that Please. um, if we are to sort of like take stock of what is ridiculously powerful and amazing about women. It is that we literally, like, bring forth life from our bodies. Yeah. Like, Mm -hmm. literally to be a woman is to have the capacity to, like, create another human being internally. And so, what the hell, Stork? You're taking away my feminine, like, mystique, man. (laughs) If Storks just deliver babies, what is it to be a woman? Unclear. We we must make sure to be clear that, like, you know, not not all women have uteruses, not all women have vaginas. Like, to be a woman is not necessarily to be able to give birth. Awkward. I just think we should make sure to remember that. In these moments, I, I, I appreciate uh, I appreciate your clarification on this point. But I think that I think what Tori is saying is also that you know for her that might I mean to some people oh, that yeah. is what being a woman means for many, many women. Hashtag not all women, but <laughs> I mean it, I think it's also true that like the storks do take away like if you had that initial empowerment of, of originally like it's interesting that the storks take that away from you whether you were given it or not initially like something I was curious about I'm wondering what your guys read on this is. Uh, the, I want to say tiger cubs that are delivered, mm-hmm. they give every appearance of going up to the mama's side. And I was like, are they about to like nurse from the mom? Like oh, she they did were not nursing. Deliver, she did not deliver them, but she has like, she is able to like lactate. Amazing. What, a, what an empowered woman. Yeah. She's <laughs> yeah. crushing it. The best of both worlds, I would say. <laughs> Uh, I'm, I appreciate your, Tori, your perspective on why you feel like this song, uh, is, is it has a positive attitude towards the, uh, the outlook of babies. Uh, I, from my man's perspective, see the, the lines like, it's useless to resist, or he'll spot you in China, or County Cork, which is in Ireland, and you better look out for him. Uh, I can see it as more of a foreboding, but... You know, I guess it's got kind of a Santa Claus vibe to it. Like, you better <laughs> yeah. watch out. You better not. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess that's another song that you could either you could see that as positive that Santa's coming, or like the you know, read it the other way is better not cry. Better watch out. This yeah. is a crazy guy. Well, that's of. that's because Santa Claus is making a list and checking it twice, and he's gonna find out if you're naughty or nice. Yeah. Luckily, we know now the storks bring babies to people, whether they're good or bad. Mm-hmm. Science has proven it, so it's all fine. What I want to throw out there while I'm not uh, making trans exclusionary <laughs> comments. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't, didn't mean to be a turf up on this podcast. Um, You're fine. No, I, uh, no, I mean, no, you made uh, a valid point and I appreciate it. Um, I, I wanted to say that what I actually, like, though much of this song is sort of repetitive, I thought it had some cool, like, genuinely cool music happening mm-hmm. in it. Like, yeah. it got a little bit more big bandy. Mm-hmm. I thought this song, I, I liked it as a piece of music. Really? Um, I like yeah. it as well. I thought, actually, it'd be a great piece for, like, a, a fifth grade band to play. Oh, you know yeah, I, mean? I can see that. Like, in that it had some fun, just, like, runs. It Like, I feel like it has... The thing every young musician craves, which is like you could go to a piano and just like run your hand down the entire thing. That probably oh, yeah. made. R- runs are the best. I, I just thought it like I don't know, it was festive, it was fun, and it had some sort of silliness in it. Um I uh, I enjoyed it as a piece of music, though the beginning was decidedly repetitive. Yeah, but like it was I liked it as well. I think it's a like a strong departure um in style from Pinocchio, which is interesting. Um, but I liked it a lot. I like I like mm. the style. Can you talk more on the the musical side of things, Frodo? I don't have much to say, but it, this is uh, we're going back to Frank Churchill. So Frank Churchill, who wrote the music for Snow White, he also wrote the music for this movie. I I know he passed away, but I don't know if it that was. Let me see if that was before the movie came out or not. Uh, 
uh, yeah, so no, he actually, he was still alive when this movie came out. Um, he didn't pass away until 42. So he, in 41, when this came out, he had written the music. The score of the movie won Best Score. Specifically, it was called Best Scoring of a Musical Picture because they had split that Oscar at the time. So it won an Oscar for that. Frank, Frankie got an Oscar. The specific song that was nominated was Baby Mine, which we'll get to. That didn't win, but Churchill mm-hmm. and the lyricist Ned Washington were nominated for that. So The, the rapper Common won that year, is that right? <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, probably. Um, it was actually the last time I saw Paris by Lady in the movie Lady Be Good. Um, this is a disappointment. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, I don't really have much to say about the music. I think it's pretty repetitive. The one point I liked is what I said, where I, I like how it slows down at the end to to show off some emotion. So good job there. But otherwise, I'm I, I think it's I think it's generic. I also think that this song uh, we should point out that it's sung by a well we we said it was a, uh, a quartet, a barbershop quartet. Mm-hmm. It's actually the Sportsmen, um, the Sportsmen, and they appeared in several movies throughout the 30s and. All the way through. Manliest the, yes. name ever. We're yeah. not just any men. We're the sports men. Well, just you wait until a later song in this movie, which is sung by the King's Men. So. More regal, less manly. So this is our first song that we have that is completely sung by a chorus and not on-screen characters. There was a little mm-hmm. bit of chorus in When You Wish Upon a Star. There's a chorus that sings a, a verse or a or maybe it's the bridge, a portion of the song. There is also chorus work that's done in Snow White when we when they reprise the song uh, one song your favorite part yeah so we do get some chorus but this is the first exclusively chorus song to me the the sound that the barbershop quartet provides is very dated Um, Mm. I don't know if you guys agree but to me this is (laughs) the first sign of this movie in my mind being more dated than the last two we've seen I, I feel like Snow White and Pinocchio are more timeless, and maybe that is because of the the cheaper animation, which mm-hmm. has its virtues, you know, Amanda says, but I, I feel like it makes the movie seem older to me. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it feels kind of like, like the opening song of this movie kind of feels like I'm being rocked to sleep by a stork. You know, it's like, it's not challenging, it's mm-hmm. smooth, it's comforting, it's easy. I kind of, without knowing what to expect from it, knew exactly what to expect from it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like, the song was nothing more than what I thought it would be. Mm-hmm. But that's okay sometimes, you know? Mm-hmm. I kind of thought that when it got a little bit uh, Big Bandy in the middle, I was like, this is more than I expected it to be. Yeah. Tori, just full of optimism and joy. <laughs> this or perhaps my um, my expectations were simply higher from the beginning. Mm-hmm. Haha. Maybe maybe, maybe the fact that I feel this kinship with that sad elephant has like, <laughs> made, put me in a better place. <laughs> it's a good thing we don't have you on for Baby of Mine, because yeah. you would not do well. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you we don't never want to have a kitchen. We never know what that. the spinning wheel will do, friends. That's true. I, that's true. That's true. Vomit back on stage. <laughs> One line that I want to talk about is the line where they say, "Remember those quintuplets and the woman in the shoe." Uh, ah, yes. So the woman in the shoe is is that old. Uh, there was an old woman who lived in a shoe. She had so many children. She didn't know what to do. Now I think people know that. That's that's a, a nursery rhyme. That's a thing. Yeah. Uh, the quintuplets. That that might be a thing people are not familiar with nowadays, but let me well, tell you. Well, Disney Channel original movie Quince, right? Uh, <laughs> sure. Um, no, these are different quintuplets. In fact, they were very popular. You might even say they were like the Kardashians of their era, and that is oh, snap. the Dion <laughs> sisters. Uh, I don't know if that's how Dion it's pronounced. sisters. I don't know if that's Wait, how it's pronounced. This, this Disney film made reference to like a specific like absurd birth news event yes that's kind of amazing right yes yes i can't think i cannot think of like cultural references i mean it'd be like if in like moana they were like make make way make way the goslins are coming through (laughs) the village of montague yeah it's weird it'd be Um, a lot it's weird and i think that the princess and the pea they're like i hope a large hurricane never destroys our city like (laughs) (laughs) Uh, the princess of the frog. Yeah, that's Princess. Sorry, of the frog. what did I say? The princess of the beast. My apologies. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I I agree that it is weird. Um, but it it's kind of goes into this whole theory I have that this is it's an American movie and it's also a dated movie. Um, mm-hmm. but 
Yes, it's a cultural reference. So the it's the D I O N N E quintuplets. Uh, they are all sisters. They're identical quintuplets. They are the first recorded quintuplets that were uh, able to survive infancy. So like they actually grew up, and they were born in 1934. So seven years before this movie came out. And nice. They were. Uh, this is just a fun fact I saw in in my research. But when they were newborns, they were fed with 720 formula, which is a combination of cow's milk, boiled water, two spoonsfuls of corn syrup, and <laughs> one or two drums, sorry, and one or two drops of rum for a stimulant. <laughs> uh, Frodo, I am so mad you didn't tell us about this before we recorded, so we could each be drinking that oh, right yes. now. <laughs> I wish they had given the children drums of rum, but... <laughs> <laughs> no, Amazing. Drops of rum, yeah. Um... Yeah, we, we, for our next episode, we're going to do it on 720 formula. So that somehow got them past infancy, so they wow. survived. Uh, but that's they, a great fact. But they were a yeah, thing. Yeah, good for them. So, so they were they were featured in three movies during the 1930s. One of them was like about themselves. They were in an observation gallery. There was an observation gallery at their nursery. They're from Canada, so... Uh, so they're literally the Goslins. This is John and Kate plus eight. It's like yes. OP. Right, so... They were OG. in their nursery in Ontario. The for some reason their uh, custody was like split between their parents and <gasps> and the Canada, Canadian government. So like they so like, like the parent trap. Uh, if, if, <laughs> if the parent trap children were like uh, all, government experiments, yes, we're, we're like tourists, uh, a tourist trap. So basically, they were <laughs> they were. It was like, hey, everyone, come to Canada and like see these kids. And look at them, and give Canada <laughs> and the parents money um, by buying because because babies don't already all look the same when they're babies. So they had them kind of as a tourist trap in Canada, but it was actually a thing people went to. Uh, my grandfather once told me that his family growing up actually went to Canada what? to Ontario to see the the quintuplets. He didn't tell me their names. No but, uh, way. Yeah. What? So it, it was like a was thing. It- disappointing <laughs> no i think it was like a cool thing you know like how one would go see human oddities in the circus back back then the eiffel know? tower yeah <laughs> yeah no you know like the bearded woman if, or, or if whatever. the eiffel tower was five babies love, stacked on top of each other i love how famous they were like i love that they made it into a disney song they were so famous yeah That's i'm delightful. gonna issue one tangential aside mm-hmm. which is that I recall very vividly reading a, like, young adult novel once I was a young adult. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It was about a set of quintuplets, um, and I maybe it was the inspiration for the Disney Channel original. Um, but what I remember is, like, they would, that the, one of the quints was, like, complaining about how they would get teased for being quintuplets, and they say that, like, we must be, like, dumber than other people because like our brain got like split between five kids and the whole time i was like why on earth are people teasing you about being quintuplets but anyway the teasers even had like a like a jingle that they would sing where they would say quinty quinty brain so splinty which wow, was kids are the worst <laughs> your brain was split between five people anyway that has stuck with me to this day uh, yikes quinty quinty Brain so splinty. <laughs> wow. Well, so so that kind of fed into my my thoughts that this is a, a more of a warning song than anything because it's saying like, hey, like like you could get stuck with quintuplets, which is like unbearable, or you could be the old woman in the shoe and have so many kids you don't know what to do. So um, I don't know. <laughs> fair, fair, fair argument. If, if, we were doing, if, you, if, if you were defending the thesis that this song had negative undertones, you have supported your <laughs> argument well. I mean, I don't agree with you, but you've supported your argument well. Yeah, you lawyered real good. Um, we've basically given our critiques already. Let's just throw out our grades. I'll go first. Um, okay. So I really <laughs> I didn't... Yeah, super high grade grade, right? No, I really didn't like this one. I I, I thought it was very forgettable. I'm sorry you, I'm sorry you guys seem so... So this could be one song it. all over again, Frodo. I think yeah. this is a real this is a real man woman divide. I think man, I think this apparently. like maternal or at least, like, cute animals versus not cute animals yeah, divide. The maternal yeah. imagery just strikes men and women differently. Yeah, it, it just it I I didn't think it was interesting. I think the song is uh, repetitive. I think the singing is 
unemotional and boring. So even though that was done by manly men, the sportsmen. Um, so I'm giving it a D minus for. Yikes! Wow. And your lowest grade ever? No, it is my second lowest grade ever. The lowest grade ever belongs to the aforementioned one song. So D minus for. Uh, I haven't thought of a thing yet. D minus for. Dumbo. Dumbo. For Dumbo. <laughs> Come on, man. D minus for Dumbo. Uh, D minus for damn Dumbo. Damn. Damn Dumbo. Yeah, didn't didn't like it. I'm sorry. Amanda, what what Yikes. are you what do you what is your new grading criteria for this movie? It's gonna be in sad circus animals. Aww. <laughs> Wait, and I'm gonna more, get are more sad circus animals worse? <laughs> No, because more sad. Yeah, yeah. M- make it an in- <laughs> it should be an inverse grade. <laughs> okay, well the, the more, over. <laughs> but it'll be freed circus animals then. So you want to uh, free more okay. circus animals? Uh. Yeah. Um, I'm gonna get the song six and a half out of ten freed circus animals. Oh, that's that's yeah. a good good score. Yeah, because seven seems too high. Like I like it, but it's not like. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I've been pretty we... modest in my grading. Though, if six and a half out of ten is put on, like, a traditional American scholastic scale, uh, that it's is not. a D. Yeah, so it's so pre- pretty close to pretty close pretty what I gave. In a yeah. traditional American scale, then you have no nuance in the, like, one through five. Well, oh, you, you, have, you, you have nuance. Yeah. Uh, Tori Bat may have given someone a 36% on an assessment this morning. Oh, no. And that yeah, was that was really different than some of the... The assessments that were in the uh, five and six apples out of ten category. <laughs> it's true, but in this case, I don't think that a five or six apple is a failing apples. Well, just you guys wait because I have something that's lower than an F that I will be unveiling later in this movie. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> is it an R for racism? Uh, guys, that—that's <laughs> amazing. Like I, I am excited to tune into future episodes. Yeah. yeah. You all have to. It's the law Dave, now. Dave Barry and I are both on the edge of our seats. <laughs> uh, um, Tori, what would you give? I don't know if you gave grades in your last episode. No, you know, I didn't. I just sort of uh, gave some critique. I, I, I thought it was good. I enjoyed the song. Um, I mean, it's no... Right, it's not, it's not something that, like, is going to, I don't know, sort of, like, stick with me in my dreams, but mm. I... I think I might be humming it tomorrow. I, I feel I feel good vibes towards this cool. song. I won't be humming because I have forgotten how it goes, but I did <laughs> like it. <laughs> All right, that's enough now. That's now that's now that's my life. Well, <laughs> uh, that's all we really have to say about this episode. Th- thank you again for joining us, uh, Miss Bat. Why? Thank you. Uh, and this has been Frodo the lawyer. This has been Amanda the person. And this has been Tori Bat, who and, spun on in. And, and thank you for listening to Wish You Hot a Star. <laughs> we should That's the again. best one yet. That went really badly. Not your not your elephant noise, but every other episode. <laughs>